0: welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. I'm a marathoner, coach, and answer seeker. When I first started running at the age of 29, I had so many questions and what felt like nowhere to turn to for answers. And now I'm here to answer all your running questions about anything that you might want to know. If you're a new runner or you've been doing this for a long time, there's always something more to learn about running. So let's get started. My guest this week is running coach, Tony Kenger, co-founder of Relentless Runners. And this week we are talking all about the off-season. What is an off-season, you might ask? Oh, don't worry, we'll tell you about it. And how taking an off-season, taking time off, can actually make you a better runner going forward. How to do that, what that means, how to assess your relationship with running using the off-season, and how you can maximize, should you so choose, the off-season for your benefit. As always, if you are looking for assistance, guidance, help with your training, your racing, Running Explained has your back. From training plans to one on one coaching, master classes, and more, you can always find the resources that you need for your running at runningexplained.co or follow me on Instagram at Running Explained.
1: Tony, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor, Elizabeth. So please
0: tell us, Tony, how did you become a runner?
1: Okay, so I I played collegiate soccer, um, and it was my senior year. I didn't play my senior year, um, but my senior year of college, I was very lost, like a lot of college athletes are, even if they play all four years, and they usually go through this ex- this experience of. OK, well, what do I do now? Um, I didn't know what form of exercise I enjoyed. And so my roommates at the time, some of them I played with, um, some were in other sports. They were like, let's run the Pittsburgh Half Marathon together. I was like, absolutely not. That sounds terrible. Um, but even throughout college, I would have friends ask me to do 5Ks. The color run was really big back then. Um, and I was always scared, too, because we actually did a two-mile like time trial, basically, during preseason, and I almost felt like I was going to throw up running two miles as hard as you can, as one would. But I thought to myself, there's absolutely no way I can run a 5K if I can barely do these two miles. Um, So I said no all those years. And then finally, I was like, "Okay, sure. And so improperly trained, um, but got to the starting line. Um, I remember feeling so nervous, like, I don't know if I'm going to finish this. I've never ran 13 miles before. And crossed the finish line and it was I got so emotional and I remember just feeling so proud and surprised and as a lot of emotions we do experience with like our first race experience and then I got bit by the bug as we mostly do and so logically my next step I was student teaching at the time because I was a health I went to school for health and PE so I used to be a teacher and my supervisor was a marathoner and I was like okay so how long does it take to run a marathon? Is it like is it like a year? Like, I'm not really sure. And she's like, no, like you, you just ran a half. Give yourself the summer to train. You could probably do one in the fall. And so then I was like, OK, perfect. So my second race was the Steamtown Marathon. And <laughs> it just kind of took off from there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't expect to have running kind of positively take over my life in the way that it has.
0: I have talked to so many former collegiate athletes who were not runners but played a different sport, who which clearly is like an endurance sport, like soccer. Yeah. You're covering miles every game, especially if you're in the midfield. Who are like, I never really thought of myself as a runner, and yeah. it's so funny as a coach, like you and I now and I think about, they be like, "What are you talking about? Like your conditioning is amazing. You're just not a straight up endurance runner, but like, my goodness, you're covering some distance." Yeah,
1: <laughs> I know it's so funny to think about that now. Um, yeah, just. Yeah, just how much you're actually just sprinting back and forth for ninety minutes. Um, I don't even remember how long it is now, but yeah, like ninety minutes at a time. Um, but yeah, I was one of those people that I truly never looked at myself as a runner, even though it was part of my conditioning leading like up to when the season would start. But it was one of those things I absolutely despised and didn't like. I just wanted to go out and play. Um, but yeah, and then here we are. And now I'm unapologetically obsessed with it, so. <laughs> Here we are, taking yeah. over our whole world, I love it. I know. <laughs>
0: Today we are talking about off seasons. So I think anybody like you, or anybody who has kids who have played sports that have seasons, like, oh, you know, my soccer season's in the fall, or if you are a, a track or cross country athlete, you have different seasons of running. But for most runners, We start running as adults, and we are highly unfamiliar with this concept of seasons, as in periodizing our training over multiple seasons, and the importance of taking an off season. So let's start at the very basics, and like, what the heck is an off season?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think that there's a really big misconception, um for recovery and off season and when you think of like a periodized program it's the base it's like the main thing that you need coming off of that goal race um and you know it's so nuanced for every single runner it can last like one to three plus weeks some people need more depending on how they're feeling mentally and physically um but you know it's your time to recover it's your time to Um, make time for those things that you didn't get to enjoy as much like even if you got to do it here and there but you didn't get to enjoy it as much during training um, I think it keeps running fun and it also helps from a performance perspective it helps set your body up to be able to progress um, which I know is something that we'll get into a little bit later and Something else too is to understand that if it's not taken seriously as like a serious part of your training, um, you know, that's when performance plateaus and diminishing returns and all that stuff can come into play, which can be so frustrating as an athlete because we're all out there putting so much time and effort into our training that we want to be able to, to, give ourselves the best opportunity to capitalize on the training and our experience. And so, yeah, it's so important. It's like the unsexy part of the whole like part of training, it's less sexy than the base building phase even which i know can be boring for a lot of people but it really is so crucial
0: i think what trips a lot of people up about the off season is that when we typically think of seasons like i said we're thinking about like a season like oh i'm training for a marathon like that's my season right now and yeah. that can be four or five if you're doing like a base phase you know before we're not talking about five months. Your off-season is not half your year. Your off-season isn't even like four months or three months. Your (laughs) off-season is much shorter than a typical quote unquote training cycle would be.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I think that's the other thing too is a lot of people, and I've even seen it shared that way sometimes on social media where they talk about their off-season as being like the entire, it's like they lump it together with maybe a season of not training or building for a race when it actually is that shortened period of time that you were talking about. But but yeah, it's it's I think it honestly recovery or like the off season really gives me life and energy back into like my own running. Um, and it can be really hard to like can instill that in others sometimes. But yeah, I'm just excited to keep like diving into it today. So we can, I think, equate
0: an off-season, like it's typically coupled with post-race recovery. Mm -hmm. So and I sometimes, it's really confusing, I think, for some people because really depending on, on who the coach is and the terminology that you use, like we have different ways of describing the same thing. So like I, and I've caught myself doing this too, like I have variously described... Be an off-season as like your post-race recovery phase mm-hmm. and or your transition phase where you yeah. transition between two training cycles, yep. but it's also can be your off-season, but it's it's a different concept from a base building or just a base phase.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I totally agree. That's exactly how I use it too. And again, like you said, there's no right or wrong. It's just how you um, like describe it. But yeah, I think that's where there can be the confusion sometimes um, where it is, it is that separate like part of the base building, base building and then as you ease into like other parts of other parts of your training or focuses
0: so an off season like are we off like let's say I just ran a half marathon I did actually this is let's say I just ran a half marathon because I did I did, Which I, ran did you marathon? Marathon? I ran the Hartford half marathon uh so exciting. how long like a week and a half ago so, I I'm technically firmly in my off season, right? How but are you let's say, it? yeah, I, I'm <laughs> really enjoying it. I've run like three times <laughs> in 10, 12 days. It's been fabulous, um, which kind of does bum me out because, like, we're, we're entering peak leaf season right now. And I'm oh, like, it's yeah. a beautiful time to go running, but I have gone on some walks instead. Yeah. But that's the thing that people are really freaked out about, about, like, okay, what do you mean I just like, Don't run. Can I lift weights? Can I do other things? Can I go to spin class? Can I do this instead? Like, let's just say somebody and we can use me as the hypothetical just ran their big fall half marathon. Now what?
1: I personally, and again, everyone is so different, but I really like to have runners at least take a week of just like nothing. Enjoy doing nothing. Enjoy waking up and like having a lazy morning, getting yourself a cup of coffee and just relaxing before you start your day. I think that having those still moments can be really nice. Um, But again, I think having a week of nothing to start is good. Some people are okay with doing more than that. But, you know, in that second week, that's when you can slowly start introducing, you know, cross training, if that's something that you feel ready for mentally Um, And that's where, again, it goes back to, it's like so nuanced based on the person. Some people are itching and ready to do a little bit of cross-training. Some are feeling like they have just really leaned into the stillness of, you know, not doing anything right after the race, which is okay too. There's no right or wrong, but I I think it's good to start to introduce some like light forms of cross training that second week. And, and that's where you can even, I mean, 10 to two ten days to two weeks, you can even start introducing really light, easy running as well. But, um, but yeah, like then getting into lifting, if those are things that you want to be able to prioritize, um, and, and I know some people who like to do um, a little bit less running and a more emphasis on strength because, as you know, when you're marathon training or half marathon training, but more marathon training, the strength is more about like maintenance where you can then like really prioritize it after that. So yeah, it's like the world is your oyster <laughs> when you start to get back into it again. One
0: of the biggest, so actually there's kind of three scenarios that I want to go through with you because this is typically the biggest, I want to say, um, like issues that people have with taking their post-race, we'll call the post-race recovery the off-season phase of their training seriously. One, the immediate kind of frontline rejection that I hear is, well, I don't want to lose fitness. I don't want to take time off because I don't want to lose fitness. I have to keep running because I want to maintain all that fitness that I just built for the race I just ran.
1: Yeah, um, I think that that's where we can have that conversation of like what super compensation is too. Um, before getting into that again, I think the emphasis on understanding and looking at recovery is you're not just recovering from your goal race. You're recovering also from all those months of training leading up to that goal race. And I think that's where there's sometimes the misunderstanding as well. Um, You need the mental and the physical recovery. So now the benefits, because I think that we can all kind of buy into it a little bit more when we understand the why behind something. I used to be one of those people too when I first got into running as well. And I made that transition of, running my ass off for every single run um and just running as hard as I can and that transition into easy running was really hard and I feel like it's almost really similar like it's a similar conversation of needing to understand the why behind like what are the benefits that I'm getting out of taking that recovery time so when you the conversation of super compensation you can correct me if I'm wrong of my understanding of it as um It's like the adaptation that happens or your body's ability to take on more stress after the recovery phase of like a big event or even like training in general, Um, because there's those like different sections that happen. Like you have this bigger stress that's happening on your body, then your body is fatigued. It's like, whoa, girl, we're tired. And then it goes through the recovery side of things. Um, and then you have the adaptation that happens. So essentially it's like you have a new baseline, um, and your readiness to be able to, for your body to handle that initial stress is at a higher place. So that's the benefits. And then when you think about, okay, my next training block, like how am I getting better from one training block to the next? That's what's happening. Um, so what happens in the negatives that can happen if you don't prioritize that or take that seriously is like, it's, it's hard. You can also, it's hard. I'm like using my hands. If you're just listening, I'm using my hands to do the little graph. But if you look up, like I'm sure if you do like super compensation curves, you can like find some stuff online, but there's a negative side of it of like, okay, you have that stressor that happens to your body. And then maybe it's even like a higher stress or it's, um, stressors that are too close together. So you go into the fatigue part. And then you're going into the recovery phase, but then you're introducing another stress, like too close together. And so your body stays in that deficit of recovery. And so when you continue then to like start building again, for example, let's say you just start like running earlier than you maybe should should be running, Um, start training earlier than maybe you should be as well and introducing those harder efforts. Your body is staying in that deficit. It's not able to make those adaptations. And then that is where you have the frustrations of plateaus in your training, diminishing returns, and you just start to see things go negative on the graph where you're not, you're like getting further away from even the baseline of that initial stress.
0: The way that our bodies adapt to the stressors, I mean, the the thing that continually amazes me about being a human is our body's amazing ability to be so resilient and adapt to the stress that we introduce it to. So exactly what you were describing, like we introduce a stressor, our body adapts to it and goes, okay... I am now more capable at handling this thing except in the endurance sports context I am now fitter at this endurance thing that I'm trying to do and I think people understand this on like a on like a micro scale right? Like if I do speed work on a Tuesday, on Wednesday, I'm going to be fatigued. And so I allow myself to recover. And then I see the benefits. Oh, oh, by Friday, I'm starting to feel good. And like the following week, the fall when I have another speed work, Hey, I can actually do more. Maybe I can do more reps or I can do longer reps, or maybe go a little bit faster. Now you're not going to see it every single week, but like that's that adaptation and action. And we know, well, in order, I I'm getting stronger. I'm getting fitter because I have applied this stress and I've recovered. And the recovery is what slingshots you to that higher level of fitness. But what you're describing, and I think is where people get really confused, is that this happens on that macro scale as well in that our entire training cycle is the stressor that we then need to recover from in order to go out then to be introduced to the next giant training cycle stressor. So it's like you can zoom in and you zoom out and like the structure of these curves look the same, but I think people have, cause they think, well, I'm just recovered from my race now. And I'm like, yeah. but are you recovered from the four and a half months of
1: training yes, you did exactly. before then too? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's such a big, yeah, yeah. It's, we, we can't help it. You know, we're so zoned in on, that yes, it's the four and a half months, but it's like, yeah, but we're focusing on the marathon or the half marathon or whatever it is. That's where the main attention goes towards. And it's just so easily forgotten in the mix of it all. But, but yeah, I think our bodies are so amazing and then, and they're so capable of incredible things. Um, and so I think that, Yeah. When you zooming out and thinking of it that way is like crucial. And, and also try to remember like in those moments, we can talk about this too, but you know, in those moments where it's really hard and challenging to again, lean into the recovery side of things. It's, if that is something that you struggle with, um, going back to like, okay, remembering how this is going to help my performance. And also it's really good to dig into those feelings and like why exactly you're feeling that way. And, I've seen, I think it was you that actually shared this on your social media that I absolutely loved. And it's like, instead of just rushing back into it, like think about like, okay, why am I struggling so much with, with this recovery side of things? Like what feelings are actually coming up for me? And sometimes full transparency, it can be dark stuff that pops up and that's where it's okay to have that honest conversation with yourself to, okay, maybe I need to talk to somebody if, if, mm-hmm. if that's like where I'm at, because, um, yeah, the, the hustle culture over training, um, you know, on the. There's so many positives to social media, but we also see insight into so many people's lives and their training on social media. And sometimes, you know, you do see things that aren't the healthiest of habits, unfortunately. Um, And you see people that are getting out there at all costs. And so it can be hard to not just say, "Okay, well, screw it. Like, I'm just going to I'm just going to do it anyways. Like I see them doing it they're achieving some cool stuff, like maybe that can be me too. And I always try to think too, like, yes, maybe that can be you. But at the same time, think about how much you're leaving on the table of like what you're capable of. Um, yeah.
0: That was actually, that was the second scenario I wanted to ask you about because I think this is a really important one to talk about is that the, the and yeah, this is going to be a tough conversation or kind of a tough like, oh, introspective moment for a lot of athletes is that, if you, let's say that you run a half marathon or a marathon or even a 10K or a 5K, you run you run a big, big goal race for you and on your plan, it says rest for a week and you can't, you are driven by thoughts of anxiety or fear or that kind of like, I literally can't, like I don't, I, I technically know that maybe I shouldn't, but like I am so scared of something that I am driven to put my shoes on get out the door run the next you know the day following my race or you know oh you know whatever it is because I think this is really common and and like you said talking about hustle culture but also just the way that I think that our overall culture (laughs) like glamorizes things that are disordered
1: yeah. I'm going to straight up
0: say it like, yeah, you yeah. know, and I think we look at people who are like these in these people who are and I'm not denying like an incredible talent that a certain person might have to do a, a marathon a day for 60 days. Like there are people who are have this incredible ability to do things, but like that's so not normal. Yeah. And for the average person, that's It's essentially glamorizing a disordered relationship with exercise, with your body, with movement, with Mm -hmm. the sport of running.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. There's actually this exercise I wanted to share because um, I've been reading a book for injury recovery um, and it's actually a workbook. And there's this exercise that I actually did last night that I really liked. And I was thinking, um, because I think the struggle is when people are feeling that way, they're not able, they're not having that endorphin release. There's those other deep, there could be those deep rooted things. And then there could also be the side of things where they're not having that release. Um, I know for me, it more so happened when I was recovering from ankle surgery, but like my mood is affected and all that stuff. Um, and I know people could also be afraid of those things of just how it makes them feel, but the, exercise and this book is called rebound by the way um by carrie jackson and cindy kuzma they're i think they're both like clinical psychologists but it's the laugh out loud mental drill and it asks you what are five things that you know make you smile where to five things um what five things most likely make you laugh out loud what are five activities you enjoy doing that you can do while injured i think in this case it could be while you're not running, um, and what are your five? What are five of your favorite television or movie comedies? And then it says pick at least one to do proactively every day, and add another when you feel like you need to balance out the stress that you're feeling. And so I really liked that because I think that again, when I think of my own journey of like injury recovery, those are things that there's like this void that's missing, and I think that having that thing that can put a smile on your face put you in a good mood you're putting yourself in situations um that put you in a more positive like headspace can be a good thing so i just figured i would share that too in case anybody felt like they needed something and it's those little things that you can do day to day because yes we see um i'm a huge fan of the boss babes of joe boss hards uh ladies and their crew you see some of them go on these big vacations too after like a big like race or the end of their season like Corey mcgee Emma Bates, like everybody, Um, but not everybody can do that. And so I think thinking of like the day to day things that you can do to help can be helpful as well.
0: I mean you see if anybody's if you know, watches track, track and field, you know, everybody who goes over to Europe for the Diamond League, like ends yes. their Diamond League season by yes. going on vacation. yeah like, That's what exactly you know, what I was talking
1: about. Yep. Going to
0: Lake Como, going to you know, and they're like, Yeah, and like obviously they're there, they're they're off, right? It's yeah. just their off season. They just did this big season of running, literally a season of competing, and then they're taking two weeks and they're like going on this amazing vacation yeah obviously for the average person that's not how any of our lives probably yeah but like (laughs) but the principle is still the same right and so they're you know and it it is i think in order to be our best selves as runners and i've always and i've said this continually it really becoming the best version of yourself as a runner requires a ton of introspective work about who Mm. you are as a person and exploring like and can be a huge positive too like it can build mental resilience and toughness and self efficacy and self belief and self confidence like all these things but I also think it it forces us to confront some of the less savory components and aspects of our own relationship with certain things like our relationship with exercise our relationship with our bodies with food with our beliefs around body weight and you know sleep and what rest means like those are also this is all part of The same conversation when it comes to if you genuinely are trying to be the best runner you can be however you define that Mm -hmm. it is way more than just running as much as you can
1: absolutely yeah yeah there has to be those um yeah there has to be those different parts of like your training um and again can't stress it enough I just think just not just for the physical side of things but the mental side of things because you can also mentally burn out from just continuing to do too much, um, and running your, like running yourself into the ground. The third
0: scenario I wanted to ask you about, cause this was me. I am a, I'm a reformed run streaker <laughs> before I know before I knew better. I mean, even when I was doing it, I was like, I don't think this is healthy, but I genuinely don't know how to stop until <laughs> one day I just stopped. Um, so yeah, I, I used to, I was on a run streak. I would never ever ever recommend this, and I'm actively against them now. Um, I think they' I think they are disordered. Mm-hmm. But for me, one of the things that I told myself, and I hear this from a lot of athletes, too, especially ones who may maybe come to us for coaching, is that I was so afraid that if I stopped running, I would just never pick it up again like I was so afraid of taking a day off and having that kind of just be over like I would lose all my motivation I would lose all my consistency and I do hear this from some athletes where it's like and especially with COVID being so hard for so many people like yeah. a lot of people found running and during COVID but a lot of people like stopped running during COVID because yeah. it was such a traumatic change but this is a big one too like I'm so afraid i, I I built up, right, let's say hypothetically a runner is like, I built up this great routine before my race and I was so consistent, but I am so afraid that if I take essentially any time off, I'm never going to start again or I'm never going to be able to be that consistent again.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it that almost reminds me of just like how it's hard for someone who's used to not being consistent and establishing that routine is really hard. It's like the opposite side of that where you're kind of like unlearning. And, and I think the unlearning process of what's good for you is not something that's going to happen overnight. But it reminds me of, again, I use the easy running experience because that's like the best like correlation that I have. I didn't trust like that easy running would actually work. And then it was that moment that I had – while I was like working with my first coach and she was like on me about it. I feel like she lived like states away and I felt like she was in the bushes just like watching me on my runs. But I knew that I had that experience where I actually went easy on like a couple runs of the week and I had amazing like workouts. Like my long run I felt energized and good. My track work like earlier in the week I felt so great and that's where it clicked for me and so It's one of those things where just give it a chance. Like, it's really hard, but it's almost just give it a chance. And just like when I have athletes that I'm working with to establish a routine, the big conversation is, you know, after I feel like it's like four weeks or so, that's when things kind of start to click a little bit. Giving yourself that time and energy to have that same thought process with this of, you know, the rest day. And I think coming up with a game plan on those rest days that you may have Um, Even if it's like little tasks to work on, filling your time with really positive things like cooking or maybe it is going for a walk or, you know, something else. But um, and then I think after a few weeks of just getting more comfortable, taking time off and then you then will hopefully, you know, see the positive result in your running. um, That's where I'm always hopeful that the athlete will have that experience. And I more recently, it's someone that I've worked with for gosh, it's like going on two years. But that was a really big thing for her where it wasn't um, it wasn't running every day, but it was constantly exercising every day. And that off day was just so scary for her. But um, we were able to like kind of find a solution that was helpful. And so, yeah, just give it a chance and and also give yourself grace and um, you know that it may take some time to get more and more comfortable with it, um, because I think that you know it's just that saying like just about when or when a breakthrough is about to happen or when you when you're about to give up, that's when the breakthrough happens. I think it can be the same way when um, things are you're about to have that light bulb or that thing click uh, to show you that it's working out. Um, that people will give up and say, "No, this just isn't for me." Um, like it may this may be what science says, but. I'm special. And it's, and and it's also the conversation of like, we're special. We're not that special. Um, there's just too much information out there that tells us that this is so good for us to do. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah. And that's really interesting. And I mean, I think for me, the justification for why I continued with, with the run streak, and I don't know that this necessarily, you know, fit the clinical definition of, of an exercise addiction. Like there were definitely days where I wasn't I was not compelled, but it was like yeah. <laughs> I was doing it because I said I was going to do it. Yeah. But I think for me, one of the ways I justified it was because I noticed that on days previously when I had taken a normal rest day, the following day I felt really kind of flat and like mm. just kind of a little bit. I don't know. It's like uncoordinated. It just didn't feel very fresh or snappy. Now. In in hindsight, that was also because I was not taking those easy runs easy enough. So what essentially was happening is that I was taking a rest day, and my body was like, "Oh, finally, we get a chance to recover." Mm -hmm. So then the following day, when I went for a run, my body was like, "But we're hold on, we're still recovering. Like this is we're not ready to do this yet." And so I was stuck in this weird cycle of being like constantly under recovered, but I was covering it up with staying reasonably neuromuscularly sharp because I was running so much. And I mean, it was like a a minimum, you know, one mile per day, Sure, but that's also, and I think that I've heard that from other runners too, like, well, when I take a rest day, the following day, I feel really flat. And I'm like, that's not the rest day's fault. That's a, that's a problem with something else that's going on, on other days that you are running or other days you're exercising or something that we're under fueling or not yes. sleeping enough. Like it's yeah. not the rest day's fault that you feel flat the following day.
1: It's easy to blame it on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, no, that's really cool that that's something that you've kind of worked past. I know it was something that you signed up for and you just wanted to follow through on it. But um, what was it for you that was most helpful with kind of transitioning out of the run streak?
0: Yeah, great question. So I will say I got so when I started running, I was classic running everything too hard. It went through that for about 18 months, two years, finally completely burned out. But it was lucky I it was. um December and I was decorating for the holidays and I dropped a ladder on my pinky toe and I broke my pinky toe so I couldn't run and I mean in hindsight it's one of those things where it was like hey this was actually a really good thing for you because I was basically already in this weird spiral of like burnout and so I needed to take time off I ended up taking like three or four months for like I even after I was cleared to run like I barely ran because I was just so like in this weird space yeah and then I decided I was like no like i I'm ready to start running again more consistently. I think I was looking back at my logs the other day from those months and like for like Jan- December January I ran like 15 miles total and like February I ran like 25 months. but I've been running like 200 miles a month before yeah. that. Um and so I went and this is this is kind of like the thing that I'm like we need to be so careful in the running community about how we message these things. Runner's World has that run streak, right, mm-hmm. that they advertise where they try to get, what was it, Memorial Day through 4th yeah. of July, yeah, right? And yeah. so that's what I did. I was like, oh, this would be a really great way for me to, like, recommit to running. All the things that we as coaches now are, like, we hear these words and we're like, oh, gosh. It's like, yeah. It's really cringy. I'm like, I was going to recommit to running and, yeah. like, start the routine and, you know, and um, – there is a, a race, a 10 can 4th of July anyways that I have run before. And I was like, well, this is perfect. And so essentially at that point, it came and went. And I was like, I'll just keep running. I'll just keep doing my mile per day and it's one of those things where you know it works it works until it doesn't work mm-hmm. right yeah. it works until it stops working um and for me there were i look back and i'm like girl this was before i really dove into like the science of running and uh, way before i started looking at you know becoming a coach and all of that and actually being in the process of like becoming more educated about the sport as a runner going through the process of becoming a coach learn i was like Wait a minute. Like I can't be doing all this. All the things that I'm learning now. All of the things yeah. that I'm reading about, all the research and looking at my own life as a runner and I was like I you know, I'm done. I'm doing the easy running thing now. Like this is amazing. I'm doing all these I'm hitting all these PRs. I was like, but this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Like and it's so hard cuz here's the thing. You know, I think for a lot of people we're just we're we're human. And we fall into a lot of these cognitive biases, right? And kind of these logical fallacies. Yeah. And for me, it was a combination of, you know, a sunk cost fallacy, where I was like, "Oh, I've already been doing this. Like, I've already done this. I've already put in the time, and like, I've achieved this thing." It was like over two years of doing this thing. And so, on one hand, I was like, "I don't want to throw that away." Yeah. But right, you have to ask yourself, that thing is like, what's happened is past. Was past is past. And if I continue, if I choose to continue to do this thing, that is a choice that I'm continuing to make. And Amanda Brooks from Run to the Finish Mm -hmm. has a great thing that she said before. She says, you know, we all make mistakes. But a mistake that you continue to make becomes a choice at oh, some point. Oh,
1: yeah. I love so are that. So
0: yep. are you choosing? It's not a mistake anymore. It's yeah. a choice that, you're, that you are making, right? Yeah. And so you know, it's OK to make mistakes. We've all made them. We've all made tons of mistakes. Mm-hmm. But if you know it's a mistake and you continue to do it anyways, it becomes a choice. It's not a mistake anymore. That's so it was a really interesting, I think, inflection point for me as a runner, like in my maturity and relationship with the sport, yeah. to one day be like, I'm just not going to do this. And I just and just and kind of just be like, it just needs to end. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it, right? I don't want to promote it because I don't want to give anybody else the idea that it's necessarily a good thing.
1: Like it was, yeah. Um, And so
0: and so, yeah. And it's and it's it's tough though, right? It's tough to be in that position because. As runners, as as athletes, as active individuals, we hold so much pride of the things that we have accomplished, even if they're not necessarily like the quote unquote healthiest. Yeah. But it's still something that you. Know, I think it's tough because we can have these conflicting emotions about something that you can be like, I wish I hadn't done that, but I also did it and like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Just like running a marathon without taking any fuel. <laughs> yeah. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. I've done I've made that mistake too. I've also yep. made the mistake See? and I can't believe I didn't share this earlier, but this is where I learned from my mistake of starting to run too soon after a marathon. It was my second second or third marathon that I ran. Um and I was training this is before I worked with a coach, but I was running with the run group, like the run, like local running store. And they had their training plans for everyone. And we all like would do our long runs together and a workout together each week and stuff. It was cool. But, um, I went to run group on Wednesday and my marathon was on like Saturday. And so I go back to run group and there's people there. I'm like, yeah, this is just what we do. We show up and people that also ran the same marathon as me were there. And we're like, all right, we're going to go for a three mile run or whatever. And then, you know what happened? I got tendonitis in my foot. And then I had to take like a couple weeks off and then reset everything. But that's where I I remember like maybe we had a Facebook group and people were talking about going to a run group. And I was like, okay, yeah, I just ran this marathon, but I guess this is what people do. I my legs are tired, but honestly, like I just didn't know. And I was thinking, okay, I guess I guess that's okay. Like, my legs are still a little sore, but maybe this will be good just to flush them out a little bit and it'll just work itself out. And I didn't feel good on the run. And then my body also told me that it didn't like it. So that was kind of my learning, too, where um, and I see people sharing this sometimes, again, like on social media that they're starting up again. Um, And this is something that I even talked about recently is you don't realize, too, that When you're recovering from something like a half or a full marathon, you know, just because your legs aren't sore anymore, that doesn't mean that you're recovered from that race or like the training, um, because your body has to still heal on like a cellular level. And that's something that it's like, oh, I can't see it or feel it. So it's not happening situation. Um, and that's, I think, and and again, it's almost nobody's fault. Um, especially when, you know, the runner doesn't have that like mentor or person that they can go to, to share that information. And maybe they don't know, you know, your podcast exists or people are out there to follow, to share that information. So they just do it and they associate it with when you lift or you feel a little sore after like a hard workout and you're just a little tired. Um, and it's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm I'm recovered. I can go at it again. I think that they think that too. So, um, so yeah, I've been there all of us coaches have been there <laughs> so many <laughs> silly I- things that we have done and learned. And that's where we want to put it out there to everyone else to learn from us and our mistakes. And I think it's,
0: it's so hard. I and mean, it's my, like my whole, the reason I do, like the reason I have the job I have is like, I made so many mistakes and my God, I don't want anybody else to make yes, them. Right. Like, yes. I don't want you to go through what I did. Like learn from our mistakes. Like yes. we promise we're trying to save you from yes. like really bad stuff in some cases. Yeah. Um, I did the same thing. I remember like, and it's so funny being, thinking of myself as a little baby runner, like yeah. you learn, like you kind of learn things and you're like, I heard about this thing or I heard about that thing. And after my first marathon, I had recently learned about recovery runs. Mm-hmm. And so what did I do? Up And I, I read somewhere in something with, a, with no context about what a recovery run actually does. Yeah. But I read that a recovery run is really helpful after a hard effort to like facilitate recovery and get blood flow and I was like cool all and I ran the day after my first marathon. I remember like literally shuffle limping yeah. around like the the man-made pond in my neighborhood going it, is this what it's supposed to feel yeah. like? <laughs> like is this supposed to help like I could barely run yeah. and I was like I'm going for a recovery run. It was like a mile in change and I was like I guess this is what runners do. Yeah. And I think it's so hard because the way that we talk about consistency and like all these things where it's like the context is so important, yeah, right? Like I do want you to be consistent. I do want you to run more days in the week than not if you have these specific goals. But I also want you to be consistent with how we're prioritizing rest in certain periods of our training because not you're, if you're doing the same thing every single week, 52 weeks out of the year, and you have these endurance performance goals, you're not training correctly.
1: No, well that's the whole other side of when we talk about the stress and the stimulus. Like there is such thing as your body is going to get adjusted to like what you're doing and there can be such a thing as too low of like a stress stimulus, like you it needs to be that like perfect like right amount in order to have that impact. And so If you're doing things the same way over and over and over again, you're not gonna see progress too.
0: And that's tough. I always usually get this question in the context of we talk about easy running, right? Yeah. Is it possible to run too slowly on my easy runs? And like, technically for some people, yes. Like if Elliot Kipchoge or Kelvin Kiptum, right? Yeah. Went out for an easy run and they ran 14 minutes per mile, their heart rate would probably barely rise yeah. above resting. Yeah. That is not nearly enough stimulus for that individual runner. Yeah. But for the average runner like you and me, it's almost impossible for us to run too slowly on our easy runs because yeah. for most people, any running pace is going to be in that aerobic zone. And yeah. some people need run walk breaks to stay in the easy zone. So it's like, again, talk about the context, but you know, technically, yes. But also maybe no. <laughs> yeah,
1: most likely no. But technically, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is why for some people, like, you know, walking is not equivalent cross training to running because it's just not enough of a stimulus. Yeah. But it, the, for the same time, I do work with runners for whom, yeah, if we're doing a brisk walk, they're in zone two, yeah. right? Yep. So it really that context matters too, which I know is totally. We're not even talking about off seasons anymore. But like, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, but it is. But it. But it all comes full circle. I think in terms about you know how how we understand what we're trying to accomplish on any given day, in any given week, and how that fits into our training year. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's why it's so. I think that sometimes people, especially when maybe you're newer to the sport and you're curious to learn more, like to not be afraid to ask questions and ask the why, like why behind things. Um, Because I think that that is something that does help give the context. Um, Yeah, a lot because otherwise and I know sometimes also information can get really confusing. That was another part of like me being baby little runner that didn't even wear a watch on her first marathon and just and just ran. But um I remember trying to like look things up and being really confused. But there are a lot of really good, reputable resources. Um, like you're one of them where, you know, do explore, like explore more deeper as to like why you're doing what you're doing and how this is benefiting you. Um, or even again, like leverage someone that you can lean on as like a mentor, coach, support system to be able to answer those questions to help kind of Paint the picture so you don't feel like you're just throwing paint at the wall with your training, you know?
0: So thinking about the off-season, you know, I I think a good rule of thumb, right, the longer or more intense your race was, the longer and more intense your race was, the longer of an off-season we're typically looking at. And I'll also say, if you had a race that ended terribly, like, If you, you're going to need more recovery than somebody who ran a race, which was like a hard effort, but overall nothing really went wrong.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even myself, um, I, I, agree with you first of all. So, you know, I think with half marathon, like you may not need as much time off you like from running and you totally can take more time off. But even with my, my most recent marathon that I ran at the end of May, um, I had a knee issue that popped up and I was able to maintenance it with my physical therapist and my coach to be able to run and I was okay. But knowing that that was something that I had navigating during training, um, I didn't race that marathon at like an all-out effort. Um, I raced it more at like a 70 to 80%. I still took two weeks off like completely from running because I also knew that I had this like other thing that was going on on the tail end of training and just because I didn't race it all out meant that I shouldn't need as much recovery um and so I think that yeah just kind of respecting like you said the the distance that you ran um really again it's all about self reflection reflecting on your training like did you have some like more niggles pop up than normal um where your body maybe really needs a reset even though ev- even if everything went pretty smooth on race day does do I feel like I really need that little bit of extra time um or back to what you said did something pop up during race day um unfortunately where it would be smart to take a little bit more time as needed but you know if it's a shorter race yes you may not need as much time um I know some people I usually have taken off like up to a week after a half marathon for a marathon I'll take off a little bit longer but but yeah it's still you still did the distance, man. It's still good to take the time off.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think at least a week for our marathoners. Yeah. Like it's, and and yeah. I know there's somebody who be like, but what about the person who blah, blah, blah? Yeah, look, what we're yeah, talking yeah. about is in general best practices. Like we said, there are outliers. There are some like peak of the bell curve type people. Yeah. We're talking about as general recommendations. Yeah. Some people might need more than that. Oh, I sure. have found... In my experience coaching athletes, especially specifically talking about the marathon, Hillier marathons, mm. even if you have are had a great race day and maybe you PR'd, Hillier marathons, even like Boston, I know you gain, but you lose a lot. You're going to need more recovery. You're going to need a longer off season. Yeah. And, I, and for if you had a race where you like disaster hit the wall, drag yourself across the finish line, mm-hmm. running races – is hard enough. Yeah putting your putting your body through the trauma of yeah. hitting the wall mm-hmm. and continuing to finish the race. You're going to need more recovery.
1: Absolutely. Um, something else to even think about. Again, not to talk about my new experience, but I learned this after the fact, but um, not long after the fact. But my ferritin was low, like when on the tail, like for my training and during race day. Um, and I didn't feel like great, like during race day too, where I just felt my legs felt really heavy. Um, and so. When you think about that, like I was putting a high stress on my body when my body was not in an optimized like place. Um, So like that's even something to consider too. Um, It can be really hard, but again, it's super important. I totally agree too with the, with the Hillier races or the races. I think of Boston, um, what was the year where it was like terrible? Where, when Des Linden won? 2018. 2018. Yeah. So even 2018, I, I remember there were people who, navigated a lot of um issues like adrenal fatigue and and everything after that race because it just put their body under such high stress and when they started to reintroduce running again it was just they were still just so depleted so um yeah like be mindful of all those things
0: and it's not i think for all this too like it's not a failure if you need more time off and i think you know Looking to some of the elites, and I, you know, say we're not copying what the elites do, but I think we can say, look, some of the best in the world are prioritizing their post race recovery and their off season so seriously. Yeah. Like even I know Des just turned forty and set the American Women's Masters record, but before that, she was very famously would I think she took like five weeks
1: off. Oh my gosh! After I didn't she know won that. Boston. Oh my gosh! She like.
0: Yeah. And like she was like she was like in her house in Michigan, like drinking coffee and reading books and having a whiskey at night. She was like, okay, um, congratulations, me. Like I'm going to take some real time here. And I know there is some research that also talking back to like, you know, backing up by science. There's some some pretty significant research that does look at you know cycle over cycle improvements and essentially they look specifically there's some research that was done in the 90s um on elite swimmers or maybe they're collegiate swimmers high level swimmers yeah looking at season over season the athlete the endurance athletes the swimmers in this in this study who took a dedicated off season progressed more in their following seasons than the swimmers who didn't Mm mm-hmm So talking about that, and so again, coming back to the, if you really do want to keep improving, taking this dedicated time off, and I think the difference is that we'll talk about proactively taking it off rather than being forced into an off season because you've burned out, right? So, you know, if we're proactively taking that recovery time, it's because we know we are setting ourselves up the foundation of the next training cycle that we are hoping to accomplish after we've recovered and and had a, a basically a break.
1: Yeah, and I think that the first step in doing that is instead of we love our races and we get really excited. I'm one of them. I sitting on my butt and tracking like streaming the Chicago Marathon. I was like, I'm putting my name in for Chicago. Like we we just get so excited and when we're celebrating our friends that are running, it's hard to not get wrapped up in that and just Throw our names in the lottery for every single thing um, or sign up for all these races. But I think it's really important to kind of like take a moment, take a step back. And also, even if you are signed up for races already, look at what your top goal races are and backtracking and really being strategic about fitting in an offseason. And I think by doing that, it is helping you be proactive, um, you know, when it comes to the other side where you're just again showing up and it's like these races just keep coming up and you're in that constant transition of like a few days off get back into it ramp up for this race few days off get back into it ramp up and you're not even able to have that like consistency like consistent full block like leading up to things when you do that that's usually when you hit a wall and then you're mentally or physically just shot um and your body is just telling you on all fronts no Um, so by being a little bit more strategic and also thinking less is more, I think that, you know, again, I've had this conversation with athletes, like, of course, as coaches, we will make it work. If we can, we'll be honest with you. If we need you to treat this race as just a fun party pace, easy run, or maybe we can do a workout and, you know, make it work into your schedule. However, if you do want to have these races in your training, you know, leading up to, uh, race day to be able to also give those like a fighting chance be strategic about it um have your goal races backtrack fill in the slots for the recovery time be strategic about these other races like leading up to it um and I really think by doing that again it just keeps the balance of training overall um and 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 you have those off seasons to also look forward to too
0: I think generally speaking, I want, I want to talk about a very specific situation. For me, I'm thinking of a runner's thinking like, okay, but how long? How long should I take? Mm. <laughs> Tell me exactly what to do, yeah. right? We can't because it really does depend. But I would say for most runners, depending on like how many back-to-back cycles you've put together, the length of the race you just ran, how it went, all these things. I would say for most runners, we're probably looking at an off season anywhere from Two to maybe six weeks at the outside. Mm -hmm. I think in some cases, I mean, if you're a Ironman triathlete or an ultra runner, you know, you may be looking more like six to eight weeks. And like, it's not six to eight weeks of no running. Yeah, it's okay. An initial period of rest followed by reduced activity. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're not like, oh, cool. It's been a week. Now I can start running fifty miles a week again. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Slowly reintroduce (laughs) this. Yep. Um and and of course all these things depend but one thing i would did want to point out is that talking about multiple races there are situations where a runner is like you know we have local race series that sometimes happen i know especially for runners who really like running disney races mm-hmm. you know these kind of they're all kind of clustered together yeah. and there are all these like multi race weekends and so you could end up sign up for like a gazillion races in a relatively short period of time But I wanted to highlight specifically those of our runners who are in the New York City area and are taking part in the New York Road Runners 9 plus 1 program to get guaranteed entry to the New York City Marathon. What all
1: is included for that? Because I I know that it exists, but I don't know all of the races that go into that. Because that's how you get guaranteed entry, right? it
0: is and so when you said we can how are we going to approach these races that you want to run because like i agree with you as a coach if you come to me and you're like i really want to do this we will try to make it work in the best way that we can for the like the the long-term strategic goals right but you don't have to race every single race that you sign up for yes so the nine plus one program is guaranteed entry to the New York City uh, Marathon if you participate in nine additional races during the calendar year and volunteer at one race. So it's the nine races plus one race. Okay. And there are a bunch of races available, but what this means is that you could have a runner realistically signed up for at least nine different races, anywhere from 5Ks to 15Ks to, you know, yeah. like, and, and you don't have to race them all. Yeah. You can just run them as part For of funsies. your training week. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's fun to yeah. do that too, just to be able to take in the environment. Um, I actually tried to do that a little bit more myself, like in my last marathon build where I had a couple like mixed in and with just... Either low, like was not racing them, um, and it was just so much fun. Um, and you can do that even. I did the Pittsburgh half, and I had some like marathon, like pace miles in it, but it was like part of a long run, and I just had a blast, and it was really fun. My race photos from that day speak to that too. That I was like, mm, she was enjoying this. One. She was not racing this one. I did all, found all the photographers. It was great, but yeah, there's a way that you can do those things that you love and enjoy and have it be a part of your training um, and it not be like too much or have a negative impact on on what you're trying to do, ultimately.
0: Because what we're trying to do is, is the races, the big races that you do really care about and want to perform well in, mm-hmm. we're trying to make sure that you are in a position to take advantage of those opportunities, mm-hmm. that you can perform or go after specific goals in those specific races in your training year because you're not going balls to the wall yeah. every single time you tow the start line if you're racing a lot.
1: Yeah. I also think like going back to, this is kind of similar, but in the recovery phase, like when you're um, when you're just relaxing and not training and not racing um, and maybe getting back into things, I think that it also – Paints a clear picture of what you actually want to do next. Um, I like something that I even tried this last time is like, okay, I'm not going to sign up for a race because I didn't have something already on the steps on the schedule. I was like, I'm not going to sign up for a race for 30 days, like until 30 days after my marathon. And I made a pact with a Insta friend Heather, and we're like, all right, we're doing this together because she did the same rate, had the same race weekend. She did the half marathon. Um. And the emotions that come up during that like recovery time, it's like the highs of I want to run that distance again. Maybe you have feelings around your race and you're like, I want to get back and do it better or I'm just excited to do it again. Then my mind bounced all over the place where it's like, no, I don't want to run a marathon. I want to do this. And it's just this constant back and forth. And then, um, yeah, I just think that you find clarity In what you actually want to focus on when you rush yourself into something like it doesn't really open up that space for you to think about like what you truly want to do, because I do think that we tend to get wrapped up into our own race weekends and other people's like race weekends. um, And it's very easy to make those decisions when, you know, you give yourself time coming off of those big weekends of cheering and everything to bring it back down to base and be like, okay, do I still feel that way? Or was it just the excitement that I was getting wrapped up into? Um, And so I just wanted to share that, too, because I've even had athletes. And this was something that I had shared with you like before, Elizabeth, where I've had athletes more recently where they're in that recovery period. They've given themselves like a like space to have a bigger off season. They actually then realize because maybe personal life things are a little bit more hectic they want to, they've been enjoying spending time with their family and going on hikes. And I've had athletes that have been really leaning into other hobbies. They love like horseback riding and stuff too. And they realize, like, wow, I actually want this off season to be even longer than the eight weeks. Like I kind of want like a training cycle off season situation happening. You know what I mean? And so I think that you're not going to, a lot of times, um, yeah, like people just rush into the next, like the next thing that they want to do. But I think Also acknowledging that if you're in that recovery period and that off-season period and you're realizing that that itch and that excitement isn't there to get back into training and base building and all that again, that that's okay Um, and also that that's normal and it doesn't mean that something's wrong. It truly just means that your heart is telling you that you just want to shift your focus to enjoying these other things. And it doesn't mean that that's not running. It may mean that you're just running less and that's okay too. But to just be okay with running, not in training for something, not being on the forefront. Um, I've had a few more athletes kind of leaning into that and and they had a great training cycle and a good race day. And it's not like they're like, Oh, I'm so burnt out. Like I, I just like, they're just like, no, I'm just having fun. I like these like little two, three, like these three milers. This is great. Um, I have my home, my, the day ahead of me and it's wonderful. So, um, I just wanted to acknowledge that too, because I think that there can almost be like an identity crisis that comes up of, okay, because I don't want to train for something, I'm not a real runner. Maybe I can force it. And you try to find a way to like force it and figure it out. But I think just acknowledging that you're still a runner and it's okay if you're doing less. And by doing so and really leaning into those feelings, um, you are setting yourself up for, you know, when the time comes and maybe you do want to have, you know, train for another half or full marathon, you are gonna be so ready and so excited to be able to take that on. Um, So just like letting go a little bit, I think is also really helpful. Tangent, but important. That is so
0: important. No, that is such an important point. And I think it goes back to the way we talk, what we were talking about earlier with the messaging and kind of what we absorb through social media that this idea that, you know, we, that runners are obsessed and runners are always obsessed and we should always be trying to run as much as we humanly can. And we should always have goals of getting faster and faster and faster and running more and more and more. And like, if you don't have that goal, there's, that's, that's wrong or that's, and that, that's not true. Yeah. Um, I love this. Yes. And I, I agree, it is, about, but it, I think it's more about, you know, you can be more than one thing at the same time. You can be a runner and yes. you can be a runner yeah. and somebody who lifts. You can be a runner and somebody who likes to knit. You can be a runner and somebody who likes to not get up at 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> six days a week to go for a run. Yeah. You know, you can be a runner who is taking some time off. You Maybe you're still running once or twice a week, but you're also doing other things. Yeah. You are spending time with your family. You're spending time with your business. You are putting your energy elsewhere. It doesn't mean that you don't love running. Mm-hmm. It'll running's always going to be there. And this is why I tell people, especially with the marathon, right? Mm-hmm. Like the marathon will always be there. Yeah. You don't have to run one now. You don't have to run one in the fall. You don't have to run one in the spring. Like when you're ready or when you're ready to come back, it will always be there for you. And I think running in general, we have to treat the same way. If you're not feeling it, don't force it because you're just going to, you're going to end up burned out. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I could not agree more. Um, yeah. I I just think that that's, I just think that that's so important. And again, I think that people are kind of, you're seeing, like I've at least seen it more, um, whether it's my own athletes or people I follow on social media, like they'll just like open up and share a little bit more of like, yeah, I'm just like not training for something. I'm like, thank you for sharing that. Because I also think that people are almost afraid to acknowledge that, that that's how they're feeling. Um, I think it's so healthy to continue to put it out there and have that thought process of I'm a runner and these other things. I think anybody who's been like injured and been sidelined for a while too, it's the same conversation of like, yes, I'm a runner, but like, and I'm, also these other amazing things like in my life um and there's other things how we go back to that like exercise I was talking about before like there's other things in life that can also bring you joy and that's okay and those distances and those races are always going to they're going to be there um so you're not you're not like missing out and it's okay to you can still be a part of the community I think that that's a big thing too where it can, there can be those moments of FOMO, which is very natural to happen during like the big races. I even had um, a couple athletes that are paused with me right now. Like one, like a couple just had babies and, and that kind of thing. And it was Chicago weekend. I'm getting text messages like, Hey, so like, I really want to like train for Chicago, but like just had a baby a week ago. I had like two of my athletes say that I'm like, yeah, like can't even run right now, but like, oh my gosh, I want to sign up for next year. And it's, it's so funny. And that's a very, very real thing to happen. Um, But also acknowledging like where you're at and like what you need right now. And, and that's okay. And there's ways again that you can still be a part of the run community. And um, like spectating races, spectating your local races can be so much fun. running part of a race like with a friend like if you sign up for the shorter distance or I don't know just there's a lot of ways that you can still do it and immerse yourself um and still going to run groups like when you're in the mood to do that run even if it's been a little bit of time and there's a run group that does like a two to three mile run like meet up like catch up with your friends um I think it's it can be really enjoyable
0: I also love this kind of moratorium on signing up for new races for 30 days after your oh my gosh, other big yes. race, which is really tough sometimes because of how far in advance you need to sign up I for know. some of these big races or like put your name in for a lottery. But I love that lotteries. because, you know, so, so often I hear from runners after, after their goal race, right? Whether it was like their dream day, giant PR, unicorns, rainbows, the whole shebang, or it was like, Oh my god! What just happened? Like that was not the race I was planning on having. Like, you know, I think so often we have either one of one of two reactions to that. One, if it went really great, we're like, yeah, I want to capitalize on this. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign up for all these races. But if we have a bad day, oh my god, I want revenge. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna sign up for all these races and I'm gonna do it differently. I'm gonna do it better. And I'm like it's okay to. And I love this. Yeah. Like it's like take a beat. Process your emotions in the immediate, especially in the immediate few days after a big race. Like, your hormones are all screwing. (laughs) Your central nervous system is fried. Like, your muscles, like, you have to kind of give yourself a chance to just kind of return to normal (laughs) before you start making like gigantic life decisions about your next races. Oh,
1: yeah. That I think that's where, again, when we like reference Amanda Brooks with like learning from your mistakes, that was the mistake that I made after my half marathon I ran this time last year. I, I was so far removed from, like, going through a training cycle after my ankle surgery that I was so freaking excited. Like, when I came out of that race day, that whole week, I remember I started researching races for the spring. And at the time, I was not excited about – I tried to get into London. I wanted to run a spring marathon. and But none of the other races were really exciting me. Um, I, I remember looking at my phone, and I was on, like – so many different race websites, and I was just so tired. Like, my, my brain was exhausted from looking at races and trying to decide, planning literally planning out my next year. Um, I was stressing myself out, like, asking my husband, well, will you choose? Like, I gave him three options. You choose what marathon, like, I would run in the fall. And then I didn't like the option that he chose. And I was like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to do that one. But all that to say, I planned out my entire year. I changed all of it in, like, the next month and a half. Um, I told my coach, I was like, yeah, I'm going to run the Pittsburgh half marathon. I'm going to focus on the half again, and then I'm going to wait and I'm going to do a marathon in the fall. And I was like perfectly lining every single thing up. And then I was like, I actually don't want to do any of that. Um, I want to run a marathon and then I chose one and completely changed everything. And it was great. But yeah, I think that's where I'm like, I need to give myself space because it's so easy to, your brain just goes like wild out of excitement or sadness or whatever it may be after your race but yeah it's a fun little trick so if you're not already like set up for those bigger races that do demand you like whether they sell out like early or it's like a lottery and it's one of the majors um and you're looking to sign up for something that you know that you'll be able to sign up you know even like a few months out give yourself that space to do it i think it's a it's hard but um you can occupy occupy your time with other things like online shopping for running things well
0: I also like to say I mean sometimes I find myself you know going back to the I was gonna as you were telling this this story I was like this sounds like when I'm browsing the sales section I'm like but it's such a good deal I'm like but do you need it like would you buy it if it wasn't on sale like would I sign up for this race if I just because am I Am I looking at this race specifically? I'll, I'll go on, running on the USA.com and like browse what's around me. I'm like, is it flat? Is it on yeah. the right weekend? Like how far away yes. is it? Would this fit into my schedule? And it's like, but why are you doing this? Yes. Like, is this a race you want to run? Yep. Or, and I'll say this as well, especially for people who are half marathoners or for anybody. Let's say you've run a 10K. And the very first thing somebody might ask you is, oh, so you're going to run a half marathon next? Or somebody, if you've run a half marathon, but, oh, are you going to run a marathon next? Like, yeah. don't let anybody tell you what to do. Yeah. Like, the things that you decide to do should be things that you decide you want to do because you're excited, because you're ready, because they're interesting to you, because you're ready for the challenge, not because you think it's something you're supposed to do, because somebody else told you that. Yep.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um. Yeah, because it's so easy to absorb what other people are saying, and you're like, yeah, like maybe I should do that, I Like, okay, I guess that's a logical next step. I even think that that's kind of what happened with my first marathon where I'm like, okay, so this is like, should I do it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just ran your first half. Like, why not just go for the full? Okay, sure. Done. (laughs) Um, But yeah, really think about, I always, me and Christine, my business partner, always talk about this. We're really big on this, but just like always do what really excites you even if it's different than what you see other people doing, like do what really, what really excites you at the end of the day. It's just so important. And what excites you in running can look so different. It can be a race. It can be, um, a distance. It truly can be anything. It could be focusing on, I even remember like more recently, what's been exciting me right now truly has been like actually building up my strength and not even focusing on like getting faster and stuff, because that's actually like what, has been giving me more confidence, not really worrying about like the mileage thing right now. Um, And I was kind of forcing myself like, okay, I need to like get back into it so that I can do speed workouts. And just because I was used to that and then I was like, whoa, 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 take a step back. Is that really where I'm at though? Is that truly how I'm feeling? And when I actually thought about it, Like, absolutely not. No, I, I, these are areas of my life, not even just from a training perspective, but like personal. Like, I just want to focus on getting stronger again, um, building muscle and all that stuff. And that's not a bad thing. Um, and I even know that something that we had talked about a little bit was going back to the conversation of what off seasons can look like. Um, like, again, like, even if you have personal goals, and I have some athletes who are almost hesitant to share with me that they have weight loss goals and I do kind of want to normalize that that can be a really healthy thing because I know we want to be careful um you know we don't want to focus on weight loss during a training cycle like your body needs to be always I mean your body always needs to be properly fueled um to be able to withstand like the demands of life as well as training but during training like you need to be strictly focused on like performance and being able to do like the demands of your training off season though um or when you're base building and the stress is lower and I learned this from registered dietitians um but that can be a good time where you prioritize those things um of like you know work with a dietitian or a sports nutritionist where if you do have those goals you can do that as well so again whatever it is that excites you always 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 lean into that
0: yeah, like I love that. And I think that's it's a really important point to note because so often, I know, is coaches, when we're working with athletes who have these performance goals, we are like performance fueling, performance fueling. Mm-hmm. Like this is, we can't be in a deficit. This is not the time for that. Yeah. Like, did you have a pre-run snack, right? Yeah. Are you eating enough? But it is... In, in many situations, an athlete's like, but hey, I do have these valid mm-hmm. needs that are based on my personal desires, which are, it's it's not based in a, a disordered issue. Yes. Like, I just yeah. have this desire mm-hmm. that I would like to do some body recomposition that will involve a calorie deficit. But when the heck should I do that if you're telling me that I can't do this when I'm training yeah, for my next race? Yeah. That is what the off season is for, right? Obviously recover from your race yes, first, maybe that's one yes. to 2 weeks where like you're you are eating basically as much as you did before because your body has these really high demands from the recovery standpoint metabolically. Yep. But then right as you're when your training load is reduced, you have more Um, it's, it's more, you have more leeway. It's safer to be in that caloric deficit at that time. Mm -hmm. So if that is, if weight loss is one of, one of the goals that you have in your training year, that has to be positioned in an off season or like transitioning to base building. And I do know having spoken with other other, with registered dietitians, broadly speaking, we'd probably be looking at a cap of around 12 total weeks, For that caloric deficit time. So it's not like you can just be like, oh, this takes six months. And like, you know, (laughs) either it it is time bounded. But like, if that is a goal that you have, Mm -hmm. that positioning your training year around, like, okay, I'm gonna train for this race, I'm gonna recover, and then I'm gonna do this specific weight loss phase. And then I'm gonna transition back Mm -hmm. into training and progress onwards from there.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, again, do like that, that's where. Zoning out, it goes back to what we were saying before, zoning out and like looking at your year, like thinking about things that are important to you that you want to focus on, Um, not being afraid to acknowledge yourself if those things are race related or not. And then that way, again, when you're able to focus on all the things that really bring you joy in running and just overall health and life, that's what keeps you running long-term. You know, most people are not out here to want to just do go as hard as they can until they just can't anymore and they want nothing to do with running anymore. Um, you know, I've kind of had that experience a little bit as like a with soccer where once I was finished, I was like ready to part ways with it and I still watch it and things, but um, I was like kind of burnt out like from that. And so I think that's where I'm just so cautious with that with running now where I will do everything to protect my love of running. And when we talk about the conversation of, how we've learned from our mistakes and being intentional with your off season and planning ahead for that. I also made that mistake too earlier on in running. Cause I got bit by the marathon bug and then every single season I ran a marathon. And then after a few years of doing that, I just like didn't want to run. And I took like six months off. I think it was like from running, um, because I was just like, no, I'm tired from it. And then I got back into it. And then I learned like what worked well for me, but, um, Yeah. Don't allow yourself to like get to that point, like be proactive about it. And, um, yeah, by prioritizing all those little things that light you up, like with training in life, I think that it'll keep you being able to do it for a long time, which is the goal
0: that is the goal and I, if you don't take an off season the off is going to take oh, you it you're really going to like it yeah i know
1: <laughs> yeah it's like not as fun when it just comes back to bite you and then you're nope. forced to do it it's way harder too like it it's like temporary um yeah temporary discomfort but like long term it's like so much more beneficial it's like what is take that? it from us we've yeah. we've both been there yeah what's that um wasn't there like a psychol, like an old school like study where it's like kids sitting at the table and there's a cookie or a marshmallow, the marshmallow, the marshmallow test. test. It's like the marshmallow test. Yeah,
0: delayed gratification. Yes. And I don't know. I think there was some. I, I mean, there is some. Some. I'm not quite sure if they've done like debunking on that. But broadly speaking, it's like if you have the ability to learn how to delay gratification, right? So the delayed. Grat- I want something, but I'm going to wait because. The marshmallow test. I think it was done back in the in the '60s. They started okay. doing a lot of behavioral psychology tests, but it was like they would put these kids in a room and they would put them and they told them it was for something else. But they have, were in this room and they had a plate with a marshmallow on it, and they said, "I'm going to leave this room if you can wait five minutes and not eat the marshmallow. I'm going to give you another marshmallow, so you'll get two. But if you can't, like, and so basically, it said, you know, and then they, I think it was like they, they, they tracked the kids. Yeah. And long story yeah. short, if we if we can cultivate the ability to delay gratification, right? So we the ability to not go after every single shiny object that's dangled in front of us, but to say, I, I may not be specifically enjoying what I'm doing, but I know that it is going to pay off in the long run. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a great life yeah. skill to have. But especially <laughs> for endurance running performance, that is like a yeah, gold star.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh.
0: Tony, thank you so much for being here today. I hope we've convinced a whole generation of runners to embrace the (laughs) off-season. Yes,
1: no, thank you for letting me blab about it. This was, like I said, it's like what I'm passionate about talking about right now. So I'm so happy to be here to hang out with you. And um, yeah, thank you again for having me.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's important that we, especially as coaches in this space, normalize these conversations yeah. and normalize the fact that like we do want you to work hard and go after your goals, sure. but like I also want you to to recover with equal intensity and yes, purpose.
1: Absolutely, could not agree more. Preach into the choir. Um, well, I'm excited to see you next weekend.
0: I know, little our New York cheering squad, oh. as Nick has dubbed us, the Avengers. We'll be running around Manhattan with a suitcase of margaritas. Apparently, yeah, I don't know.
1: and megaphones. <laughs> (laughs) and cowbells so you'll hear us guys if you're running new york city you'll hear us
0: (laughs) we'll be screaming for you tony uh tell our listeners if they're unfamiliar with your work and your coaching and who you are where they can find you and learn more
1: yeah so again tony kenger is my uh handle on instagram t-o-n-i-k-e-n-g-o-r and then i'm a co-founder and running coach at relentless runners um so for more information you can go to relentlessrunners.com or you can also follow us at uh Relentless Runners on social media. But yeah, I am again, I'm so thankful to be here and thank you again. And maybe we'll run it back next time. Do it again. Heck yeah. (laughs)
0: Let's do it. (laughs)